Amen. It's been great to be together and worship and praise to our great God and King, Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to the book of Acts? The book of Acts, chapter 4, is where we'll be this morning. And, you know, it's amazing that you say something in the early service, it finds its way to others who weren't even at the early service, and then they come up to me and say, hey, I heard about your face being all red. Anyway, and it wasn't an embarrassment. It was, I had this, this, this breakout reaction thing that like, I came downstairs uh, to Jennifer this morning. And I just tied my tie and, and, and laced up my shoes, and I walk into the bathroom, and my face is as red as this carpet. I'm like, what is going on? So I went downstairs to Jennifer, what's going on? She says, it's probably some kind of reaction, you know, to whatever you put on your face after you shaved. Um, she says, do you want me to use my powder on you? I said, no, no, no makeup for me, you know. I just want to show the natural beauty of this face right now. All right, so anyway, but um, so folks had already asked about it. So it made me late for the service and it was just embarrassing. So um, anyway, all right, Acts 4 has nothing to do with the sermon at all. Just, just confession is good for the soul. I just want to be honest with you, First Baptist Church. So um, I was thinking about something that I've done recently, uh, not just me, but Lauren helped and Jennifer helped and several of the kids helped us, but we have this pressure washer and we finally, it found its way from our back uh, patio to the front uh, driveway. And it's a real long driveway and we're only about halfway finished, but, but I was just amazed, and I'm like a kid, but I was amazed at the power of that thing and what it would do. You put that nozzle right up next to the driveway and it just blows away whatever's there. And so there's these layers of dirt and grime and whatever that's just built up over the years. And I could have, you know, taken some bleach and a brush and tried my best to scrub it and get it clean, but it wouldn't have worked. It took the power of that water concentrated so strongly to remove that which had just built up. And this morning, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit and that the power of the gospel would just awaken us like that pressure washer, that we would just get hit point blank range by the pressure of the Holy Spirit, that he would just move in such a way to like uncake all these layers that have accumulated in the church for all these years. You know, I was born and raised in the Baptist church. And so I, I know the, the drill. I know what you do. You come in, you say hello, you sing songs, you have prayers, take up an offering, have a sermon, sing another song, go home. Maybe you go to Sunday school if you're real spiritual. Maybe you come to Wednesday night if you're extra, extra spiritual, whatever. But we have these, these practices, these disciplines that we do in the church and the, these things that we expect. If you're a good Christian, you're gonna do these things. But how is it that throughout the years, we can find ourselves looking at a driveway that's covered with junk and not even notice it until that pressure washer removes it. I didn't even realize how dirty the driveway was until we applied that pressure washer. And my prayer this morning is that the Holy Spirit would just awaken us, that he would not let us be comfortable with this Christianity that we're in to where it's just somehow atypical for a Christian to name the name of Jesus to somebody outside our Christian circles? Well, why is it that it's so difficult? Why do we make it so hard to actually speak up 
and share the name of Jesus to those who need the same grace that we've received from him. So let's look at Acts chapter 4 together. Let me give you the background. So Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost and disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit. They speak in other languages. Uh, 3,000 people are saved when Peter preaches his great message at Pentecost. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are going to the temple. And they're there at the hour of prayer. Also, there were two different times in the day that you would go to the temple to give an offering. And so there was this really smart uh, beggar who stayed right by the gate at the very time that folks were bringing their offerings to God in hopes that they would give him alms because he was this lame man who'd been lame from birth. Peter And John, look at him, and Peter says, silver and gold, I have none, but here's what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, I give him to you, rise up and walk. And the man begins to walk. A huge crowd forms. Peter preaches again the gospel, and 5,000 people are added to the church, but Peter and John are arrested. It was in the evening at this time. And so we come to Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 5. This is what happened the next day. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, by what power, by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the peoples, of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves against the rulers and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant 
servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed to the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. This morning I have five truths from this passage about speaking up. And these are in your bulletin insert. Also they should be on the screen. Number one, we will speak up as gospel witnesses boldly when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 is the outline verse for the entire book of Acts. What does Jesus say there to his disciples? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Not you might be my witnesses. You should be my witnesses. You ought to be my witnesses. No, you will be my witnesses. When? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. When you're filled baptized, does it matter what kind of language you use? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, disciples, you will be my witnesses. You will have power like you've never had before. That's exactly what happens. You get to Acts chapter 4, our chapter this morning. Look again at the first part of verse 8. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, look at Acts 4.13. Now, when they saw, they being the religious crowd, the leaders, the Sanhedrin, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Here's a question. How can we claim to be filled with the Holy Spirit if we are not speaking up and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? I understand what the Bible teaches, that when we're born again, We receive the Holy Spirit, we're baptized into the body of Christ. But how can we say that we're being led, empowered, filled, anointed by the Holy Spirit when we are not speaking up and sharing the good news of Jesus? We will speak as gospel witnesses when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Number two, our failure To speak up and share the gospel reveals our lack of faith in the power of the gospel. Now in Acts chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, they go beyond. Peter and John, they go beyond the question that was asked them. They were asked, by what power and what name did you do this miracle? All they had to answer to be honest was to say, we did it. In the name of Jesus. But they went beyond that. In verse 10, he says, This was done in the name of Jesus, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead. They started sharing the gospel. Then you get to verse 11, and what do they say? This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, leaders, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Well, that was not the question, the answer they were looking for. 
They simply wanted to know, how did you do this? Peter and John says, this, I'll tell you how we did it. Through Jesus, let me tell you about him. You crucified him. God raised him from the dead. You've rejected him. And there's salvation found in no one else. Leaders, you're not going to find it in your Torah, in your Old Testament covenant. You're not going to find salvation anywhere else but in the name of Jesus Christ. They were bold in their witness because they had power from God. The Holy Spirit anointed them and they had great faith in the power of the gospel. Paul says in Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of salvation, power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. 2 Timothy 1, 7 through 8. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. And why did God give us this kind of spirit? Verse 8 why? Therefore, in light of that, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. We need to pray as a church for Andrew Brunson. He is imprisoned right now in Turkey. He's a Presbyterian pastor. We should have his picture. There he is. Presbyterian pastor of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church of America. He's been in Turkey for about 23 years, been in prison for almost two months. There was this coup against the government and they, they arrested certain Christians and now he's a bargaining chip between their government and our government. This is what he wrote in March of this year. He wrote, let it be clear, I am in prison not for anything I have done wrong, but because of who I am, a Christian pastor. I desperately miss my wife and children, yet I believe this to be true. It is an honor to suffer for Jesus Christ, as many have before me. My deepest thanks for all those around the world who are standing with and praying for me. This last week, he had a trial. He's had multiple trials, multiple hearings, and the ruling was he'd have to wait until the next one, which is October the 12th. But he had the opportunity to speak before that council of leaders. One uh, pastor from North Carolina who was able to witness the testimony said this. He said, Andrew's testimony was absolutely powerful. He presented the gospel with confidence and defended himself with boldness. His wife, Noreen, wrote this on Facebook about his testimony. She said, the Lord was absolutely glorified. He explained why he was here. He gave the gospel. He publicly forgave all those who have come against him, forgiving as he has been forgiven. Andrew Brunson is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Knowing that the power of the gospel means that there will be suffering if we dare to speak up the name of Jesus Christ. Did nothing wrong in their government yet was in, is imprisoned for simply speaking up about Jesus. Number three, there always has been and always will be Opposition to the name of Jesus. Expect it when you speak up. 
Look back at Acts 4, 25 and 26. This is a direct reference to Psalm 2, 1 and 2. Who through the mouth of our father David your servant said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Anointed there is Christ or Messiah. For hundreds of years, thousands of years, nations have come against the Lord and his anointed one, Jesus Christ. We should expect it when we speak up. Look at verse 27. As the church understands this prophetic statement in Psalm 2 was taking place in their generation. They say, for truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. They were gathered against Jesus. Gathered against Jesus. Opposing Jesus. These disciples, they had no leverage with the government. Rome said, Caesar is Lord. The Jewish leaders said, this man is a farce. He's a, he's a heretic. Don't follow this Jesus. In fact, they decide the following. They say, how can we stop them? We cannot dispute this miracle. They confer together and say, let's do this. Acts 4, 17b. Let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in, his, in this name. They could speak in God's name, but they couldn't speak in Jesus' name. Don't miss that. Acts 4.18. So they called them and charged Peter and John. They called them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. They could teach from the Old Testament, sure. But don't speak the name of Jesus. Acts 4.21. And when they had further threatened them. Now we can only imagine... What else they said to him? That's a summary verse. But maybe, just maybe, they said, you remember your, your Jesus that you follow? What happened to him? We put him on a cross and we killed him. And we'll do the same to you if you keep speaking in his name. Who knows what they said, how they said, but they were threatening them enough to where they left from there and immediately began to pray with the church. Jesus says this in John 15. And I know these verses are hard for us because we're in this like pseudo-Christian, Judeo-Christian bubble kind of in the South. And I could walk into a city council for the city of LaGrange and actually do an opening prayer for them. And I'm thankful for that freedom. I'm thankful for God-fearing leaders that want to welcome prayers in the name of Jesus. And believe me, I pray in the name of Jesus wherever I am publicly like that. But this is the world we live in. This is the world that Andrew Brunson lives in in Turkey. Jesus says this, John 15, 18, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you were not of the world, 
but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. It's all on account of the name of Jesus. If we just keep quiet about Jesus, there'll be no persecution, no suffering, no issues. And that's what the world wants us to do. Just keep your Christianity, keep your Jesus inside the walls of your churches. That's fine and good. But the gospel says that we're to go and share and speak up that message. And we should expect persecution. And if we're not receiving it, it's because of two reasons. Number one, either we are not speaking up about Jesus or number two, we're just blessed to be in this nation to where there's some Christian influence around us, but that is quickly changing. John Wesley was perhaps one of the strongest, boldest evangelists of his generation. Rode hundreds of thousands of miles on horseback. One day he was riding and it dawned upon him. It had been three days since anybody had thrown eggs at him or bricks at him. He thought, I, I've backslidden. I've, I've, I'm not walking with God like I should. God's not giving me the power of his presence, his anointing. I've lost it. So he falls to his knees off the horse and begins to pray, Oh God, search me. Am I, am I in sin in any way, God? Give me your presence. I need your power, God. Wow. I'm not sure if that happened or not. Um, Man, that was perfect timing, Robbie. Uh, so. <laughs> anyway, poor sound guy. He always gets mentioned with stuff. That's, all right. So John Wesley's praying. That's not what happened. There wasn't a sound system, but there was this guy who was rough and said, there's that Methodist preacher. I'll fix him. And he picks up a brick and throws it at him. Of course, it misses him. And Wesley's on his knees praying. He sees a brick pass him by. He says, yes, Lord, thank you. Gets back on his horse. I have your presence. I have your power. He expected persecution. And when he wasn't getting it, he assumed there was sin in his life. And I would say, if we're not getting it, it's probably because there's sin in our life. And it's the sin of silence, of not speaking up the name of Jesus Christ. Number four, our priorities are misplaced when we pray for personal protection rather than for more gospel boldness to speak up. So they're, they're threatened. Don't speak anymore in his name. They refuse to cave they said, you'll have to judge whether it's right for us to speak in his name, but we cannot help but speak about all that we've seen and all that we've heard. And they go back to the church and they pray. Look at verse 49 of Acts 4. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Why do we pray in those situations? Lord, protect us. Lord, keep us. Lord, give us favor with the government. God, please. And it's okay to pray things like that. But in this context, they had every right to say, God, keep us safe. Keep us protected. But that shows that they didn't have a self-centered priority. Their priority was the gospel. They said, God, give us boldness. Stretch out your hand. Heal people. Let there be signs and wonders that we might exalt the name of Jesus Christ. Their motivation was spot on. And so many times ours isn't. Look at Romans chapter 10. A very 
evangelistic missions passage. In verse 13, a verse that we all want to claim and believe. But do we obey verses 14 through 17? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. As the band sang, I will call upon the Lord. He will save and deliver you wherever you are, whatever you're facing. That's our God. Look at verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. In Acts 4, 24 through 30, they pray to the sovereign Lord. And they understood that Herod and Pontius Pilate simply did all that God had predestined for them to do. They could not stop God's salvation plan to save the world through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And this same sovereign Lord they prayed to for more boldness, that God would stretch forth his hand and heal and do signs and wonders. This same sovereign God has sovereignly chosen the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ as the gospel as the primary means by which people are saved from their sins. If I were to ask the congregation this morning, among those here that are followers of Jesus, I would argue, maybe expect 90 to 95% came to know Jesus Christ through a verbal witness. A preacher, your parents, Someone, a friend, someone told you about the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone called you to receive Jesus Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How will people hear if we don't speak up the name of Jesus Christ? Okay, I'm I'm afraid. I, I don't know what to say. What do I say to people? I'm afraid. Psalm 34, 4. We'll solve that for all of us who are afraid. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. There it is. Number five, we cannot live off past experiences but need fresh feelings of the Holy Spirit to speak up faithfully. Acts 4, 24, and they lifted their voices together to God. They had a prayer meeting and all of them prayed and it was loud and it was glorious, a fragrant aroma to God. And the prayer they prayed, what happened? Acts 4, 31 is the result of their prayer. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Can you imagine? Physically Shaken. There was an earthquake of the Holy Spirit. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Well, hey, I, I, thought, I thought Peter was filled with the Spirit in Acts chapter 2. I thought he spoke in other languages and preached and 3,000 were saved and that was his coming out sermon and he could just live his whole ministry based on what happened. But no, the Bible says he had to be filled with the Spirit. 
We need regular feelings. And this morning I cried out to God early and said, Lord, I need a fresh feeling of your Holy Spirit that I might not be ashamed of the gospel, that I might speak up. I had a great chance in the line at Walmart yesterday. Cashier had crosses all over her, and I talked about the cross. But I stopped short of saying the name of Jesus. Why would I stop short of sharing about Jesus with someone? So I confess that. I need a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit. We all need it continually. We can't live off the past. Had an amazing summer last year with the Lord. I can't live off of that. I need to meet with God every day to receive his power, his fresh feeling, to be obedient, to speak up faithfully. D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was Billy Graham of the 1800s. We got his picture. He's got a cool beard. Anyway, um, beard. Awesome beard. All right, picture's coming. All right, D.L. Moody. All right, okay, anyway, he's coming. There he is, yeah. Look at that beard, man, awesome. Uh, Moody has an amazing testimony. He's one of my heroes. He was known for his ability to share the gospel. I mean, he went to England and they were making fun of his ridiculous American accent, terrible grammar. He was uneducated. But by the end of that week there, they were on their knees before God. The man had the power of God in his ministry. So Moody was having a conversation with a woman and she said, Mr. Moody, I don't like the way that you do evangelism. Rather than defend himself, he says, well, I, I rather don't care for it myself. Tell me, um, how do you do evangelism? She says, well, I, I don't. He replied, well, madam, I rather prefer the way that I do evangelism versus the way that you do not. And why is it sometimes we, we, we say, well, you know, that person's just, they're, they're fanatic. You know, they're going door to door. They're out there telling folks about Jesus and, and the restaurant. They're just fanatic. No, they're not. They're being obedient to the gospel. We're backslidden and sinful to not be willing to speak the name of Jesus Christ. God have mercy on me. God have mercy on our church that these baptismal waters are not just churning with people who are hearing about Jesus Christ. It falls on us. And as gifted an evangelist as Moody was, he knew where the source of his power was truly found. I put this in your sermon insert. I'm just gonna read this paragraph, then I'll close. He writes this. God has a great many children that have no power. And the reason is they have not the gift of the Holy Ghost for service. God doesn't seem to work with them. And I believe it's because they have not sought this gift. We must pray for the Holy Spirit for service. Pray that we may be anointed and qualified to do the work that God has for us to do. We have to ask for this blessing, to knock for it, seek for it, to find out why it does not come. If we regard iniquity in our hearts, if we have some hidden sin, God is not going to give us the baptism of power. Call it filling, call it baptism, call it anointing. It doesn't matter what you call it. All that matters is that the anointing, the baptism, the filling occurs on a regular basis in your life, empowering you and me to speak up the name of Jesus Christ. I want to invite the band to go ahead and come on up. And Anthony's going to start playing our final song quietly. Here's what I want you to do. For a few moments, 
I just want to charge you and call to you and plead with you in a lot of this passage and a lot of what the early church did in Acts 4 that we would come to God in prayer and that we'd hang on to this promise from Luke eleven thirteen, when Jesus says, if you humans being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So this morning, I want you to ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life. That he, as you seek the Lord, that he will deliver you and answer you and deliver you from all of your fears this morning. Let your seat be an altar. Let your um, pew, wherever you are, let it be your place with God. This altar is wide open. You come, we're just gonna bow. And Anthony's gonna play quietly and we'll sing in a moment. But bow with me. Oh God, we open our hearts to you, Lord. I confess, like Nehemiah, he confessed the sins of his fathers. He confessed sins that were committed before his time. God, I, I confess that as a church, we've let these layers build up. Somehow justifying that we can be an obedient Christian and not give a verbal witness of who Jesus is. Lord, have mercy on us for being so selfish for being so afraid. Let the Holy Spirit this morning, like that pressure washer, just blow away all the layers and excuses that we make. Lord, I pray that we won't care what our neighbors think. Father, I pray that we won't be so concerned about what our classmates think, our coworkers think, but that we, like Peter and John, would say, we cannot help but speak of what we've seen and what we've heard. So this morning, God, perhaps someone today needs to see and hear for the first time the gospel. Perhaps today is a day of a new life. But God, I believe the majority of us here today need a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. God, let us seek, knock, confess, claim, believe in the name of Jesus Christ today. Let's take about two or three minutes. If you want to come to the altar, you can. Just pray. Just ask God to fill you with courage and boldness and believe that He will because He wants you to be that way. He wants me to be that way. And we'll close our service within Christ alone.
is obedient ambassador. Uh, maybe you need to make a rededication to him. This altar is open. I'll be here to pray with you. Um, ask God to give you his boldness, his power, his spirit. Believe that he wants to give you the fullness of himself that you might speak up, that I might speak up the gospel. Yes, Lord. I want to invite you to stand now or you can remain seated however you want to worship God. The band's going to lead us now to sing a song all about Jesus. That's where the power's at. The name above every name, the name of Jesus. Let's worship him. Be obedient to him.